Even just 15 years ago, it might have come across as somewhat hokey if you said you're interested in investing in artificial intelligence businesses. Uh, today, that's not very rare at all. Uh, however, it is quite rare for firms to be entirely dedicated to investing in AI. And this week in the Tech Emergence podcast, we're joined by Saman Farid, uh, who's one of the co-founders of Comet Labs, where they do just that. They're an investment firm focused entirely on companies related to artificial intelligence. And we speak this week around uh, Saman's investment hypothesis around sort of the future of artificial intelligence and why he's decided to hone his funds and his focus of the company uh, in that direction. And secondly, of different domains where he believes artificial intelligence is ripe to disrupt uh, from agriculture and beyond, uh, from the United States to Asia and elsewhere. Uh, Saman talks a little bit about the, the areas in which he thinks are, are sort of most primed to be disrupted by artificial intelligence. And again, not being someone in an individual company focused on an individual industry, but being an investor, looking across industries, looking across companies. Um, his perspective is relatively broad, and I think it's quite interesting to sort of open our minds up to uh, where these other disruptions might be that might not be on the front page of TechCrunch or Wired, but might be quite viable opportunities for AI to make a big difference. So I certainly had fun recording this podcast. I hope you have fun listening to it. Without further ado, Saman Farid. So Saman, first and foremost, um, I know right now, essentially all of what you're doing with investment activity has to do with artificial intelligence, technologies that enable uh, AI uh, and companies that are hev heavily leveraging artificial intelligence. Um, why was that the focus and what is sort of this big technical shift that you sort of see in the midst that's, that's made you hone in all your efforts in that direction? So um, really the, the main shift that we've seen over the last couple of, of years um, has been twofold. There's been the, you know, the emergence of new types of data and new data sets that uh, have uh, you know, previously not been very useful. They, they kind of sat stagnant in databases around the world and, and, and you know, most of the data we, we, we uh, acquired was for human consumption and for us to kind of look at and, and read through. Uh, whether it's images or text or video or voice or sounds. Um, and what we've seen is that, you know, with the emergence of um, cloud storage and, and, and communications and all these things, a lot of that data can become more, more permanent and, and uh, easy, more easily sifted through. And then on the other hand, you know, we've seen great uh, advancements in terms of algorithms. So uh, deep learning has come a long way with conversational neural networks and uh, new kind of uh, algorithms for, for, for parsing and, and then all of these uh, open source tools that have been coming out from, from Google and Amazon and Microsoft. And, um, they've really uh, enabled us to then take all of that data and put it to really good use. So, um, you know, the, the combination of those factors make, make it so that uh, a lot of really uh, interesting use cases have opened up all of a sudden. And uh, what we're really focused on is, is one, you know, pushing forward the state of that technology in terms of the types of algorithms being used and, and uh, you know, everything along that stack from sensors that are, that are giving us new data sets to um, custom, you know, chips that, that can do some of the processing on device um, and, uh, and also, you know, algorithm development itself. And then downstream from that also applications. So using that uh, ability of, of, of computer systems to understand the world around them and then make informed decisions um, and then apply those decisions through through robotics or, or other tools. Um, basically, that we, we see that, that chain uh, all coming together, and now is the perfect time for uh, for companies to really take advantage of 
um, that, that core infrastructure that's been built and apply it uh, across different industries. So whether that's uh, healthcare, or construction, or agriculture, um, there's, there's, there's just so many tremendous opportunities that have been opened up. And a lot of the time, you know, there's, there's a lot of fear about, um, you know, how, how AI is going to be replacing uh, human labor yeah, and jobs. Yeah. And, uh, I think uh, from, from what we've seen, a lot of the things that have become enabled are actually a lot more about enhancing the ability that we have, um, allowing us to find patterns that we previously wouldn't have found, allowing us to take action on things that, you know, we wouldn't have been able to in the past. And so all of a sudden our, our, our power to, to influence the world and understand the world um, is, is increased many orders of magnitude. And, and that's for us very, very exciting as an investor to, to see how it's being used in different spaces. For sure. And, and I am interested in some of your perspective on those different spaces, those different industries and applications of artificial intelligence. Unlike a lot of startup founders, um, you're forced to look at a lot of the corners of where AI might be applied. Before I even get into sort of domains um, that you're excited about or really piqued your interest and have, have a lot of opportunity, um, I'm, I'm curious as to some of the misconceptions around artificial intelligence in a business scenario that you run into a lot. I can imagine you, you get to talk to a lot of very sound uh, technical folks with artificial intelligence backgrounds, people that are building these companies or maybe research labs where these companies are being spun out from. Um, and, and at the same time, you're also talking to folks that maybe don't have that background, other investors like yourself um, and, and or you know, people at larger corporations who are interested in acquisitions or interested in this technology. What are some of the, uh, the common misconceptions that business folks often have around what it takes to apply AI meaningfully in, in their business? Where, where do people maybe sort of get it wrong when it comes to what is ROI for artificial intelligence, kind of non-technical business folks? What is often sort of seen in the wrong lens when it comes to gleaning ROI from this kind of technology? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And um, I think ultimately, you know, if I had to summarize what I've seen from, from the business world in, in terms of their adoption and, and interest in AI, it's been generally split into you know two major categories. Uh, some of them are drastically over-optimistic about what you can do with it, and some of them are overly uh, pessimistic hmm. or maybe don't understand the implications. Um, and so, so both of those have different challenges. So I'll talk about them separately. Uh, I think on the overly optimistic side, some people may see it as some kind of magic bullet, um, as them, you know, suddenly not either they think that it's going to replace you know all the all the jobs or all the labor. Uh, overnight, or, or that it can understand things as well as a human can understand, and I think that that's uh, unfortunately very flawed because th there's a, there's really just so much unstructured uh, information in the world around us that it's hard to, to understand. And so, uh, generally, what we what we have to uh, do with with people um, with with that kind of misconception is, is really explain on on the one hand the kinds of constraints that, that machine learning uh, has in terms of what what it can. Uh, what kinds of data it can parse, what kinds of data it can understand. And the other side is um, really finding a way to uh, put boundaries on the questions that they're asking. So instead of, uh, instead of you know, how can um, my robot, you know, automate my farm, for example, <laughs> instead uh, to, to give it a very clear task and say, how can it identify, you know, through images whether or not an apple is ripe or not ripe, or whether it needs to be picked or not picked, or whether you know whether a drone can can look at a field and then use the images that it receives to understand, um, you know, predict the crop yield from that field is is a more likely 
scenario than for it to you know come up with some kind of magic solution. On the other side of the spectrum are the people who don't understand the difference between what AI has enabled and uh, automation technologies of the past. So um, if we look at you know companies like ABB who have been around for a very long time, they're they're real experts in the space of automation. They've they've worked in factories in terms of automation for for many many years and have a lot of expertise with perception for machines, but there's really a drastic change between what they've been doing and what the robotics and AI startups of the current, you know, modern day are, are, are working on. And, and that really comes down to um, a level of understanding and a level of flexibility that previously wasn't possible. So um, when people say, you know, that they want to automate a task or they want to uh, create some kind of uh, easy, easy fix to what they're working on, uh, they're generally thinking about automating something, and and really that's the that's in my opinion uh, a, a, a big misuse of, of AI in general. Um, there's really a lot of opportunity to be gained from one uh, taking uh, the insights from uh, that, that you can gain from AI and applying them in more meaningful ways, and on the other hand, also rethinking our entire business model. So. Since you, your entire uh, cost structure can be changed by uh, having new insights and new perceptions, actually a lot of companies can can use business models that previously weren't uh, sustainable, um, and we've seen that you know in examples you know, from from agriculture to construction to uh, logistics and warehousing. Um, you know, in the past, a lot of these uh, automation techniques were limited to very large scale applications. So, you, you know, you wouldn't want some kind of automatic harvester unless you were harvesting, you know, thousands and thousands of acres uh, of farms. Um, but what AI has enabled is because uh, uh, technology has become so much more flexible, it's actually going to be able to move down that long tail of use cases. And we think that it's a, a very fat long tail, which means that there's so many applications that uh, we don't think of as very frequent but are actually very meaningful and can change the needle a lot. And that fat long tail is really where AI can shine. It can take um, a lot of uh, unstructured use cases and it can apply them in, in, in varying conditions. You don't need to have this gigantic you know, harvester. You don't need to have a huge uh, warehouse with, with tons of uh, 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 you know, uh, different bells, sorting systems and things like that. Instead, you can just uh, have some some robot robotics and then some some machine vision that understands the world and some sound or other you know sensors and things like that, and then it can actually be a lot more autonomous, be a lot more uh, understanding. And I think the, this whole hype with self driving cars is, is kind of the other side of that same coin. As uh, you know, it, it's definitely not a, an automation task. Right, driving on on a road with a, in a dynamic yeah. environment yeah. requires a lot of perception of the world. It requires a lot of ability to make very fast autonomous decisions uh, it also requires pulling in data from a variety of sources and all that infrastructure is kind of coming into place at the same time as the application is being built so it's really exciting to see um, you know the, the confluence of those yeah, it's much different than you know the uh, the conveyor belt with the fixed robotic arm that simply welds the same joint over and over and over and over and over again right I mean that that's sort of the the one, the one side of the spectrum where it's like, man, if we just point a torch at this spot and just keep it hot and move this stuff through on a conveyor belt, like we'll be good. And then, then on the other side, there's you know, really, really, you know, we might assume kind of you know, tremendously difficult tasks, uh, like you know, uh, being a kindergarten teacher in real life, um, 
you know, like, like, you know, like corralling the children physically, um, you know, satisfying them emotionally and all like th those are like, wow, you know, we're really not going to uh, automate that or, or we're not going to, uh, artificial intelligence is not going to stay, take that job like tomorrow. Um, but like you said, there's this very sort of fat long tail, all these examples that are sort of, they're, they're more robust, like driving than just simple automation. Um, but, uh, but they're not, you know, impossible anymore. And, and all of these sort of calibrated facets of, of perception and whatnot now finally have opportunity. And so it sounds like for you guys, um, conveying AI to be something very different than just, you know, a further step in automating, um, is a distinction that has to be made for people to see more opportunity. Am I getting that right? Absolutely. Got it. Okay. And it's probably an important frame to sort of bear in mind for, for, uh, for anyone looking to apply AI. If you're only thinking about sort of what can we automate, uh, what can we streamline in like the Henry Ford sense, you, you might be missing the sort of creative elements of, of what um, artificial intelligence might permit, you know, identifying friends or, you know, suggesting things or uh, interacting in the real world in ways that are not just programmed one, two, three, four, but are very sort of alive and dynamic and transformative of business models. So that's an important thing to bear in mind. Um, At the same time, I think there's also a lot of other problems that need to be solved along that chain before it becomes really useful. So, you know, from, from things like, you know, regulatory concerns, you know, for example, drones uh, being able to fly in a lot of different conditions, there's, there's a lot of regulatory concerns that go into that or on the other side, even ethical concerns in terms of, you know, how how the transition can be made from from this current society to, to one where there's a lot more automation. There's a lot of interesting questions that need to be answered along that way, and yep. they're not all technical per se. Um, and I think it's, it's been interesting to see uh, startups kind of struggling with with these different types of questions at the same time. Yeah, I think I think the the uh, you know the the driverless vehicle um, hurdle maybe maybe is a uh, is a bigger hurdle than some folks are suspecting, um, you know, just because of all those factors, right? I think there's there's so much of this, and I I actually think that those are sometimes seemingly much more difficult questions than the technical questions, albeit these these technical advancements are are grand and and uh, surprising, and maybe many people never would have thought in their lifetime they'd see self driving cars or you know. Um, uh, algorithms that could paint like Van Gogh or whatever the case may be, but um, looking into the future of how we sort of roll this into humanity in a way that's going to work, um, that that uh, that seems like a combination of art and science that's um, maybe harder than self-driving cars themselves. So we'll have to see how things shake out like that. And I guess that as an investor, that's something you have to think about as well. You know, what areas are going to really be impinged by policy and regulation um, and, and maybe what areas aren't. Um, and bearing that in mind, uh, you're looking at a lot of industries now, and and you know have been presumably since since you folks got off the ground with the fund. Um, what are some particular domains uh, or industries or applications of artificial intelligence that you're really excited about? Uh, maybe ones that other people you know are are not on the you know front page of Wired all the time, but that you really see a lot of disruptive opportunity. And why? I'm interested in sort of what's got you thinking. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, that can really be summarized in one word is uh, unsexy. <laughs> so we're looking at, you know, the most unsexy technologies that have, that have been, uh, or industries that, have, that exist and, and seeing how AI can relate to those. Um, because thing, things like self-driving cars, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of flashiness and excitement that comes with it. Yes. Everybody can relate to the technology because it's a bit, such a big part of their everyday lives. 
but there's actually so many uh, fields that um, are kind of in the background or enable us to live the lives that we do, uh, and we uh, don't really think of them all the time. And there's actually been a lot of interesting applications in, in those spaces, and uh, those are also spaces where traditionally entrepreneurs haven't placed a very high importance on. Um, and so, so there's actually a lot of uh, unproven opportunity uh, in those spaces. So um, there's some that I can give examples and some that I can't uh, because of companies we've invested in. Yeah, for in sure. Confidentiality. But, you know, for example, uh, one of the companies we invested in uh, um, has taken, the, you know, this whole concept of records uh, automate, uh, rec records management uh, and, and found a way to automate that whole process. So there's, there's you know, these kind of traditional existing large players, players like Iron Mountain and, and these guys who store lots and lots of documents. Um, but really, they, they've been functioning kind of in, in a very similar way for the last few years. And there's definitely a lot of places where they, their services could be improved by uh, whether it's, you know, uh, accessing documents more quickly or finding uh, things between documents. And, and these guys, one of the, our portfolio companies basically went in and rethought how that in, entire industry would work. So they, on the one hand, built a robotic solution that could take in and scan and, uh, and, and understand lots and lots of different kinds of paper documents from a, sort, a variety of sources. And then on the other hand, build that into like an online uh, storeroom that then, uh, you know, the customers, whether it's hospitals or law firms or whatever, can use to find all their records in a matter of moments. They've done a lot of AI in terms of searching between the documents and natural language processing to find what things are related to what other things. And, and you know, for example, what accounts payables are, are sitting in, in your in your storeroom that you haven't really worked on in the last five years, 10 years. Um, and they've been finding such interesting sets of data out of this, this seemingly um, very, very boring, you know, uh, data set. Yeah. Uh, in the same way, you know, agriculture is another one where um, a lot of places where where the traditional players like John Deere wouldn't really look at to automate. Now with AI, there's been really interesting applications for it, especially in the high value crops, you know, like, like berries or apples where, and, 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 and all kinds of fruit. There's a lot of, uh, you know, high value use cases that, that um, traditional uh, agriculture automation companies just wouldn't look at because there's such dynamic environments. Um, and then on that same on that same front, you know, we've been looking also at a lot of interesting use cases in construction. Uh, again, you know, a, a field that that's been kind of operating in the same way for the last you know 10, 20 years. Maybe there's been some new materials that have been put to use, but um, overall, it's kind of the same process and same procedure. Um, and and really, what we've seen is companies coming in and completely rethinking things at the most granular level. Um, from, from, from how you build a tool that, that includes augmented reality and some autonomy in the tool itself uh, up to uh, ways of inspecting the site kind of on a regular basis um, and then even further upstream in terms of how the site can be, be uh, built out more efficiently with less wasted materials and um, completely rethinking kind of every step of that process uh, and, and that's been really exciting to see. So, so uh, to summarize, you know, basically, you know, the main fields that we're looking at for, for application of, of AI. AI and robotics are construction, you know, agriculture, healthcare, retail, uh, the, the services industries of food and beverage and hotels, um, and, and security is another big one. So there's a lot of really use, interesting use cases for AI in the security space. Like uh, cybersecurity so, and, and uh, data security, oh, or what do you mean? 
I mean more like physical security. Oh, curious. So. Okay, how do you mean? I mean, you know, I presume so, maybe there's some some things that you can't reveal, but just out of curiosity, what, what do you sure. mean there? So, I mean, I think I can uh, give an example of one of our portfolio companies in China, uh, which is called Megvi. So they do uh, uh, facial recognition using deep learning. So they actually provide, uh, well, they started with providing uh, facial recognition and biometric authentication for banks in China. So they, they started out um, kind of figuring out a way to tweak their algorithm so that when you do kind of a large transaction, you can use the face to verify whether or not that's you. Um, so they're in 80% of the banks in China. And then one problem that emerged was that there's actually a lot of rural areas in China where people want to open bank accounts but don't have access to a bank branch. So uh, Megvi's facial recognition software let the banks actually get authorization to uh, set up bank accounts actually from scratch over your mobile phone, which is something in the past uh, was very hard to do because you had to verify the identity yeah. of the person involved. And, and they're able to do that by taking multiple pictures in different scenarios and make sure it's a real person using that technology. Um, then you know they moved beyond uh, kind of facial authentication to uh, face search. So, so they're working with, you know, for example, supermarket chains where you can walk through the supermarket and uh, you can get your uh, customer loyalty cards all automated. They're working with office buildings, so you can walk into your office building and the doors unlock and, and opens, and you can go into your, your house. Uh, same with uh, you know cars. They're, they're working with auto manufacturers where you walk up to your car and it unlocks and you can drive off. Um, basically, your, your identity can be kind of completely automated. Um, and you know, then they move beyond that into uh, applications in. in uh, so this, this is the security space. And there's also uh, the image recognition that they're doing now can be used for uh, warehouse automation and things like that. So there's a lot of really interesting mm. use cases that have emerged. They they move. They're growing very very quickly. So they started when we invested with a team of three or four people. They now are at 200 people and they just raised uh, 250 million dollars from Alibaba and, and a few other investors. Um, and, and really, uh, it's kind of just taking off like a rocket ship because uh, there's this snowball effect where when you're in more and more use cases, you get more and more data. The data that you gather then allows you to train your algorithms better. Um, they, they, they get more accurate algorithms, which allows them to get more customers, and, and this kind of loop yeah. just continues on. Huh, so that's, that's curious, the, uh, the security example and, and even the idea of opening a bank account from your cell phone. I mean... I almost wish we could do that here, you know. Um, sure, yeah. I actually, I, so also, I also even rolling out a a, a a new new platform with with Alibaba, which might you know it's not not yet um, in 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 motion, but they're kind of in the process of developing it called Smile to Pay. So you can walk into a store and, and you can just smile at the camera and and, and your payment is, is taken care of. You know? Wow, that's that's straight up out of here. That's nuts. Um, Huh? Smile to pay. That that's that's curious. You're developing the right uh, psychological association to making transactions as well. Um. So uh, curious. Yeah. I I was just at Baidu um here in Silicon Valley, their their uh, artificial intelligence lab, and talking to Adam Coates, who who is the director there, and had mentioned about just how much more of a a mobile centric sort of world it is out there in Asia, um, and how in some ways they're sort of ahead of the curve from us in terms of how much they do from their phone because a lot of them are mobile first and I'll be really interested to see if if that bank thing works out and the smile to pay thing works out I'd uh, I'd like to I'd like to be able to do that on Amazon frankly so it'll be cool to see how that works its way through uh Simon we're I know we're just about on time but I I more than appreciate you sharing some of your insights and some of the the areas where you have your own focus and uh again kind of opening the kimono here on on the tech emergence podcast thanks again brother 
Thank you so much for uh, taking the time. It was great to chat with you. That wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C-level executives, top researchers, and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com, where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category, as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes, or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks as always for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week.